We are so encouraged by your presence here today and during this time of Thanksgiving and uh, holidays and with some of those who have had deaths in the family and things of that nature, our number has changed. But we're so thankful if you're visiting with us for uh, your presence and encouragement to the congregation here. And uh, we want to keep those that are mentioned uh, by Bubba in, in prayer. Uh, and uh, God will be pleased with that. Thankful for the songs that were sung and the way that few in number we may be, we enthusiastically entered into the song service and, and uh, joining our voices together in that part of our worship to God. I'd like to talk about the Word of God today. And as we were singing, there was something in uh, a previous song concerning us emptying ourselves when we sung at the cross. Uh, page 157, one of the phrases was, Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. One of the encouragements that I want to have to us today is that as we continue this process of sanctification, and consider when we become a Christian, we do set ourselves apart from the world to be God's, and we want to continue to refine ourselves as a process of sanctification to get the impurities out as we grow spiritually and we walk with God from anything that might be in our past as we mature as Christians. And then if we allow things such as an improper understanding or belief to be there, just like you could refine gold and melt it down and get the impurities separated, and it comes back, it's even better than before and more, more precious, then we go through this period or cycle as we go through our life here on earth. But to be successful, we want to, when we give ourselves away, we learn to, and I'm at the top of this list now, so I'm preaching to myself and my toes are hurting. We want to empty ourselves out completely and not hold back and pour in what makes us godlike, doing what a servant should do, and be the type of people that we can be as best we can. It's easy to give a percentage to God of ourselves when we empty ourselves. But what's he getting? If we give ourselves away to God, but we don't do it fully or totally then what is God getting? He's getting a person, to be frank about it for a moment instead of Mark, that is not willing to give all, but give portions of ourselves. Well, yes, Lord, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to do this, and it's not about meritorious service unto God, but it is about service unto God. And we show our love by outpouring us and inpouring what God would have us to do. Thus, the Word. Since God does not speak to us today like He did in times past, Hebrews 1.1 and following, by the prophets, directly to people like Adam, Eve heard the voice of God. I believe Moses did when he went up on the mount. There are others who had dreams that were injecting what God wanted the people to know. Today we have the completed New Testament 
And though there are some things, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, that are secret things that belong to God, they would in no way be part of our essential ingredients of knowing how we're to please God. And in the process of emptying ourselves and pouring what we want to do and the way we would like for it to be out, we need to be pumping in, not trash, not dogma of mere uninspired men and women, okay, but that which is indeed the Word of God. And we should be thankful, and I know we are, that God has seen fit to send Jesus who died on the cross for everyone that we, on this side of the cross, may be members of the glorious body of Christ and share in the fellowship as we do in worship and spiritual activity together. And the spiritual blessings we have include that beyond our initial salvation of becoming Christians, when and if we make mistakes, we can correct them with God and be white as snow and be going forward without any of those sins still on our record and entangling us to that which the devil would like. In the famous Psalm 19, speaking of the Word of God, we'd like to look to a few verses that talk about God's Word and then some characteristics of God's Word while we're together today. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. This is the New King James. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Thus the psalmist emphasizes in this psalm how good and necessary it would be for us to have the word of God nearby, in our hearts, in our minds, and that which we would turn into the proper practices and mindset in order to be one with God. In the 119th Psalm, in verse 105, and we just had a lesson recently that touched on this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If I'm pouring myself and getting rid, in essence, of Mark, deny self, take up your cross, and follow Jesus is what our recipe is for spiritual success put in a short sentence. That means a lot, but it's, it's true. We need to deny what we want. And it's not that God doesn't want us to be happy. He does. But He knows what's best for us and the lifestyle that is best for us. And if we would but put Him in and keep pouring His way in, and emptying ourselves of the things that are us, then we'll be more godly 
and the type of people that God would have. Do we have this thought toward God's Word? Verse 97 of the 119 Psalm. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Do we compare things and sift them through what we understand the Word of God to teach? Not to be in any way negatively pharisaical in the sense that some of the Pharisees were in Jesus' day. But to filter things through, as best we can, God's lens. We have God's lens perfectly. We have eyesight problems as humans. And believe me, uh, I couldn't see ten foot counting fingers with my left eye uncorrected. And... That means that when you see the big E on the chart, if it's turned and you're supposed to tell the optometrist which way the legs are coming out on the capital E, I could not do that at 10 foot from the distance of the chart. And 2400 is pretty bad, and that was my right eye. But with contact lens, I could be 2020 in one of those eyes, and 2010, which is better than with corrective lenses. When we take God's Word, rightly divided, and we start looking through the world and the way in which we encounter our enemies and our brethren and those that are lost, then we begin to have a spiritual perception that God would want us to have. When we go to a restaurant, we sit down. It's wonderful that we have so many lovely places that we can eat. And at a buffet, everybody can be made happy, as has been mentioned numerous times. And we have some wonderful cooks, and when we get together as individuals, and we have some potlucks, and we get together in our homes and other places, it's a wonderful time with being with those of like precious faith. What about this idea of feeding on the Word of God? Do we take just the parts that we like, Oh, I love the milk. I love to hear the, you know, how to become a Christian, and it's just a wonderful thing, and it reminds me, and it helps me with meditating on the Lord's Supper. That's great. But if we're also supposed to have in our prescription lens for being spiritual the meat of God's Word as we grow, we don't have to forget the meat of the milk, but we do have to grow into the meat. Oh, I don't like that. Study is hard. Yes, yeah, studying is hard. <laughs> Those that try to teach Bible classes and interpret different lessons, and I know you've experienced it in getting up lessons, some things we have to struggle with. And sometimes the class must move on, and we're still wondering about this verse over here that's still got us a little bit in a tangle. Well, that's okay. Don't forget about that verse. Keep studying, but don't let it diminish in any way your optimism about trying to please God. I will learn how to treat people better and, and learn I'm supposed to love my enemies and I will learn the different things. Do good to them that hurt you or despitefully use you or say false things about you. But that's the prescription lens that God would have us put on. Well, I don't like that part. I'm leaving that part alone. Then we're not emptying ourselves to deny ourselves, take up the cross and fall. It's almost like we're telling God what we're willing to submit to and we're telling God what we're not willing to. Don't we all to some degree, myself included, do that if we're not giving it all to the Lord? And what can we do 
to try to change so that we can do better. That's the encouragement in part that we would have by looking at lessons such as these. Fortunately for us, I believe, the Word of God not being oral today, we don't have to just remember because we heard the voice of the Lord two years ago and He spoke these five things and I've forgotten one of them and I'm remembering four and I'm not sure on number three if I'm remembering it exactly the way and I should have written it down. God has given us His Word the best way possible and He decided to give it to us in the New Covenant in such a way that we have inspired letters that are now collected and it's not all the letters that were written that were inspired but it's all that we need that makes up the New Testament, the New Covenant. There's not any doctrinal matters that are left out. Our God is so good He's not going to mess it up. He didn't make a mistake doing it the way that He did. And when people scoff at the fact and say, well, there's missing books of the Bible and they want to allege this and allege that, we have to realize that the God we serve is very capable of getting us, not the Reader's Digest version, but a complete new covenant in the 27 books of the New Testament and have what we need in the 39 books of the Old. And I hope I got that right. If I didn't, somebody correct me now. I'm getting older. So I want to keep my math right. So that we have what God intended for us to have. And just like we believe there is a God, we can believe that we have the covenant that God would have for us to enter into. It's been revealed. This word means to uncover, lay open what has been veiled or covered up to disclose, make bare, to make known, make manifest. We know today because of the evolution, if you will pardon that phrase, from the Old Testament and then the revelation of the New, answers to mysteries that people under the Old Testament didn't know. We can go and read and tell people about the story of Jesus and we can point to book, chapter, and verse from that which is God's Word and point backward all the way to Adam and point all the way to our day to day and show the applicability of Christ's death and His blood on the cross and how while Moses could never become a Christian in his life, he's still affected by the fact that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And we're so happy for that. And we can be in Christ today and part of the blood-bought institution of Christ, if I can use that word, institution, organization, body is a, a scriptural term, the church. And thanks be to God, and we should always be thankful that we're members of a local fellowship, body, church, belonging to Christ, as we are, where people are interested in one another's soul, trying to do better, nobody claiming to be perfect, and all want to continue the process of pouring ourselves out and pouring in God's truth and not just know it academically but try to make changes as we grow to do better as we have time and opportunity. Consider that we can look at nature, Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. We can reason and deduce by the design argument that with uh, intelligent design on earth, that there must be a God, a, a creator, a designer. But we can't know about the character of God without 
the Bible, the written words that we have, to know about his justice, his honor, his care for his creation, both the positive, behold the goodness of God, and then what might be considered, if we're weak on discipline ourselves in our home, or if we were raised with a lack of discipline, behold the goodness and the severity of God. The characteristics of deity require both, and it's in the proper mixture in our God, the God of the Bible. We can know about God's character. We can know about God's plan for man and the opportunity for us to do something about what sin is and then to cleanse ourselves of sins because we're not able to rid our own sins. Yes, we are fearfully and wonderfully made as people, highly intelligent, sometimes too much for our own good, but if we put that to good use, we can know what sin is by reading the New Covenant in our case and know what to do about sins if we do find ourselves in sin or have committed the same. The three greatest questions of life in some people's mind are where did I come from or where did man come from and then where am I doing here on earth and then where am I going if going anywhere after? What's, what's next? What's after this? It's all revealed in God's word. He's given us that and we can depend on that as being the truth. It's not just a guess. If you can, go back to Daniel 2. And we want to talk about the revelation of God for a moment. And most of us are familiar that Daniel, uh, being a man of God, was taken care of in the captivity that he had. And King Nebuchadnezzar um, had some dreams and Daniel was being taken to interpret the dream. Verse 25 of Daniel 2 through verse 28. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. And the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, as for the secret about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, sorcerers, soothsayer, priests, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. And notice the next verse. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. He goes on and explains the dream, I believe, in this case, and the interpretation. And that's God's work in action. That should be an encouragement to us. This is how he was taking God, his care of his people, even in captivity and even under persecution, up to and including the possibility of whether it be death, in a fiery furnace, whether it be death in a lion's den, whether it be death of some other style, some other uh, way by execution. Credit is given to God because He can reveal it. 
Well, what do we have today? That's an Old Testament message. Consider that the New Testament is just as inspired as what a prophet would say that was a true prophet of God under the old law and can be counted on as that which is helpful to our souls. In the book of Luke, and we look to chapter 4, Jesus often spoke in parables, but remember when he was tempted of the devil, and he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was tempted during that time. We usually think about the three temptations that are mentioned in the account, like Matthew 4, and I'm in Luke 4 now. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And then it goes on to mention the three that we know most well. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now we're all tempted by this same entity, Satan. We don't have this type of oral discussion like I'm having with you now where you audibly hear the voice of the devil, but somehow, some way, the temptations come across, and it's the devil and I believe his angels that are working on us in areas that are known weaknesses by our enemy. And while God is an economist and an expert, so is the devil in his craft. He doesn't waste time tempting us on things that we're not tempted by. And I believe to the person he's at work on those that are trying to live right with God, those that are thinking about coming to God, and, to the, and about those who have fallen away that are thinking about coming back to God, to faithful service, to Him, and to be with faithful brethren that are trying to do the same. Jesus is at war with Satan, face to face, and the conversation is here for us in the Word. And Jesus answers by saying, it is written. He didn't just say, nope, not going to do that, that's a temptation. He answered his enemy of enemies, top dog Satan, with, it is written. In other words, it's God's Word. God has said, of course, Jesus is deity, he's God-man while on earth, and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And he didn't fail the test on that or any other temptation throughout his life while on earth. He answers again on the other two. It is written. It is written again. And so how should it be that we answer or handle the temptations that come our way. First, we need the prescription of the lens of God's Word and the knowledge of it properly to recognize what sin is. <laughs> Lest we be asked to do something and we don't have enough knowledge to know that it's wrong and we ignorantly commit that sin till we learn better because of our unfamiliarity with the Word of God. There's a solution to that. It's called reading and studying God's Word. And you don't have to do it in a vacuum. They're brethren that love to study and, and visit and talk about the Word of God. And then there is the manner of taking care of sin and God's prescriptions for aliens 
that are not yet members of the body of Christ and those that are in the body of Christ through sin is found in the Word of God. God has not left us lacking in any sense where we can say it is written. This is what we're supposed to do here. It's written this, and wouldn't that mean that we shouldn't be doing that? And we can discern. And in some cases we say, I don't know, how can I except some person help me study? Maybe it's an older brother, an older sister in Christ. Maybe it's someone younger that studied a lot longer because of the age at which the older person obeyed the gospel. As long as we're deferring and referring to the Word of God, then aren't we on the right path? Well, what if we do this? And like some people do with their glasses, they lay them down somewhere and they don't use them. And time passes by. Is that a wise choice for a person who has 10 foot counting finger in one eye and, and 2400, 2100, whatever it was, in the other eye? Mm -mm. No, I can see even the young people in the audience are shaking their head. That's not a wise choice in our life. But rather, putting on the prescription that is the correct prescription that God wants us to use, then we know, we can know God's Word as God would have us know. It's been given to us, if you'll look hurriedly, and we're running out of time, it's a good study, it always seems that it goes by so fast, that this is not a collection of man's wisdom. And there's some very smart people on earth there are some very neat books that are written out by uninspired men and women on various topics, some highly educated. But what better than that which is written by the hand of God through inspired men and women who taught and those who penned letters and taught the Word of God as we find that to bring about the new covenant that we have. 1 Corinthians 2 not man's wisdom, but that which has been revealed by the Spirit. And I, brethren, this is 1 Corinthians 2, New King James, verse 1. And I, brethren, Paul says by inspiration, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, he said, in my speech, verse 4, in my preaching, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We need to let the seed, the Word of God in the parable of the sower, do its work. And if we do that, when it germinates, it will make a New Testament Christian. When it does that, properly and the person is willing to deny self, take up the cross and follow Christ, they will be like we're trying to think about being as we go forward, pouring ourselves out and continually pumping in the Word of God and that which is good. Mark, that sounds like I won't have time to live. No, we actually serve God by living in the way that God wants us to, but we have to carve out the time to understand what the prescription is because it's a matter of understanding so we know what is proper to do 
and what is not proper to do, and concerning the sins of omission, that we look at our life and we evaluate what am I failing to do that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not loving my enemies and I'm reading God's Word, I'm supposed to love my enemies and maybe pray for those that are lost. Then I say, oh, i got to start doing that. That's part of my prescription and of how to proceed properly because it's in the Word of God and it's not man's wisdom. It is divine wisdom put there for us for a reason. So it's revealed by the Holy Spirit through what Jesus said, if you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, and the apostles, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus said, i got to go away. I taught you a lot of things, but I couldn't, can't teach you all of it. You can't bear it all now, but when I go away, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll send the Holy Spirit. The Father will send in my name. Jesus said he would send him the Father there in unison. They both sent the Holy Spirit. There's no contradiction there. And he will guide you into all truth. Now some people today are looking at chapters 14, 15, 16 of John and they say, that's the way I want to learn it. I want God to send me the Holy Spirit like that says and I don't have to study. That Those verses are for the apostles. It's limited to them. And then after that, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And uh, about discernment in Hebrews, chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews, possibly Paul, uh, not exactly sure, but it's inspired of God nonetheless, talks about staying on the milk, and for the time that ye ought to be teachers, you have need that someone teach you again that which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and God's not happy with that because that is stunted growth. And God wants us to continue to grow in the Word, meaning milk, continue on the milk, and bring the meat. Having the proper discernment with your, your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's what we want to be as soldiers of the cross. And we only sharpen our skills by studying completely the Word of God. All truth was revealed to the apostles, and we now have all truth. The gospel, the doctrine of Christ, it completely furnishes man every good work, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. We have all things that pertain to life and to godliness, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. And this faith was once for all delivered. Just like Christ died on the cross once for all for the sins of the world, the faith has been revealed, Jude, verse 3, once for all. So we have it. It's understandable, Ephesians 3, 3. When you read, you can understand Paul's understanding in the mystery. He was inspired. So when we read and we properly discern, we can know what Paul knew by proper application of the Word. Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is true, John 17, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we've been talking about this wonderful message that God has seen fit to have us know in written format. And the covenant is distinctive so that we know what's old covenant and what's new covenant instruction so that we can know the difference between the two and then apply it. 
God's word, lastly, is restrictive in that it sets some boundaries like a property line. Sin is called many things, like missing the mark if you had an arrow and you were shooting at a target and you missed the whole target, or you don't hit the bullseye. Sin is also compared to trespassing, going in an area that you have no authority to go into. God's Word is that way. And when we have authority in God's Word for doing something as New Testament Christians or as the local church, then we proceed. It's kind of like Simon says. God says in the New Testament, worship, we can do it, we can do it, but we're not to add to, and we don't need to take anything out. Well, let's shorten the service by five minutes, and we just won't sing. God wants us to sing. We're not, who are we to change God's word and delete something that is scriptural New Testament worship? So I think all in this audience understand the restricted nature of the word of God in principle. And lastly, the Word of God must be obeyed. It's not enough to know it and not do it. We have to actually, to be a Christian means to be active. Which soldier would just be inactive and sit all the time and then show up for meals and then not exercise or not go through exercises and simulations of whatever they need to go through? What person compared to a vineyard would uh, buy the seed and then sit on the bag of seed and wait for harvest to come, not do any? plowing or any fertilizing or any planting of the seed. That's not doing what the Word of God would tell us to do. People who are not members of the body of Christ can hear the message preached in the beauty of it and understand that they are to believe it. They're to repent of their sins. They need to be willing to publicly confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and submit not a work of merit, that earns forgiveness of sins, but that which God has required to be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sins, and we will come up out of that watery grave of baptism, a new creature, a babe in Christ. And after that, as we're talking about in this lesson, take the milk of the word and grow and grow into the meat, and yes, mistakes will be made and made, but they can be corrected because God has given us a bigger racer and that eraser is the blood of Christ properly applied. Not to give license that, oh, this grace is so wonderful, let's let sin abound in our life so we can use up more of God's grace because there's all, God will always forgive. It's, it's not to game it. It's not a game. But it's there to be used properly and appropriately. And repentance is a turning, and so we should learn to turn and hate that which we may be tempted by the most so we can eschew evil and be better as we mature. If you're to have here today and you're subject to the invitation or need the prayers of the saints or there's anything that we can do to try to help you, Christians also have a plan of salvation. You don't get baptized again if you were baptized properly, but through repentance, confession, and prayer, the Christian who has sinned can be forgiven. It's the blood of Christ in both cases, in the baptism of the alien sinner to become a Christian and in the repentance, confession, and prayer of the Christian. It's still the blood of Christ that's cleansing us from the sin, 1 John 1, 6-9. And so it is. I encourage us all to think about this week what we might set up in the way of New Year's resolutions or being restored or renewed or invigorated or motivated to do something along the line in the future 
that would help us pour more of ourselves out and take up the Word of God and put more of Him in. And I plan on that. And uh, look forward to talking to some of you later about ways in which we can help one another. If you're subject to the gospel calling in any way, we bid you come. While together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.